0: sometimes if you're in city limits, the town's rules are different than the county's rules. Yeah. And if you're without city limits, the county's rules are different than the town's rules. So if you get the wrong set of rules and you start to move forward with something and then you get bummed out, like there's lots of, lots of things to look into before you really commit.
1: Welcome to the tiny house lifestyle podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 104 with Danielle LaRock and Jonathan Carnell. Danielle and Jonathan are the founders of Tiny Haven, which offers unique tiny home Airstream and cabin rentals in the Harpers Ferry, Virginia area. Danielle and Jonathan have bought not one, not two, but three small houses, two of which are on wheels, plus an Airstream. In addition, On the road to creating their business, they ran into some legal bumps that resulted in having to move all three of their homes. We'll cover it all on today's interview, so stick around. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor today. The Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast is brought to you by Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is my signature resource that helps you go from dream, to plan, to even building your tiny house. I'll tell you more about it after the show, but all you should know right now is that I'm offering 20% off for podcast listeners. Just head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD and use the coupon code tiny. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD, coupon code tiny. I am here with Danielle LaRock and Jonathan Carnell. They are the founders of Tiny Haven, which offers unique tiny home, Airstream and cabin rentals for you to live with roots and wings. Tiny Haven is located near Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. Danielle lives in a tiny house on wheels with her boyfriend, Jonathan, and their two dogs. Danielle and Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Um, So maybe you could, Give me the backstory about how Tiny Haven came to be. Um, you know what came first? Was it you wanted to live in a tiny house, or you wanted to do tiny house rentals? How did that all go down?
0: It was Danielle wanting to live in a tiny house, wanting to live in a tiny house.
2: Yeah, uh, Jonathan actually kind of convinced me. His um, his parents, his dad was getting the Tiny House Talk newsletter, and We originally were kind of thinking about building like a retreat center or something along those lines. So we were kind of looking at yurts and things like that. And his dad asked us if we had ever heard about tiny houses. And Jonathan had, but I hadn't really. And so we signed up for the free newsletter. And then, I don't know, maybe some people go to bed and they look at social media before they go to bed. But we were looking at this newsletter uh, before we went to bed each night and like looking at different tiny house ideas. And I was originally thinking that I would like to have it as a rental. Um, and he, Jonathan was all gung ho about living in one, but I was like, "Ah, that's just so small. I don't know if I could do it. (laughs) And then eventually I started just getting really excited about it and realized that we could really do both, like live in a tiny house and we could also rent them out. So it was kind of a, Both of a lifestyle choice and a business choice, which feeds our lifestyle.
1: So it kind of all happened at the same time.
2: Yeah, it kind of all happened together. So yeah, we um, weren't. We didn't have like a super firm plan, which led to some problems. But we also were able to overcome those challenges too. So that's good.
1: Cool. Well, let well let's get into it. So you you've. Been convinced that you can live tiny and do rentals. What were your next steps?
2: I don't remember. So, I think one of the I was trying to figure out if we wanted to if we were going to build it ourselves, or if we wanted to contract it, or if we wanted to buy one that was already built.
0: And one of the very first next steps where we were at the time living in a house that she owns in Shepherdstown. How that's a, how big?
2: It's about. 2,600 square feet total like with a basement
0: basement and three full bedrooms, two bathrooms as two stories. It does seem huge now because we were literally downstairs in the living room that opens up into the kitchen, which is a very large area. And we got the tape measure out. We're like, how big is what we're talking about? Like how big is this living room? How big is what we're talking about? So the, one of the first steps was getting the tape measure out and trying to walk out and feel and envision what, 30 by 8 looked like mm-hmm. or what yeah. 25 by 8 looked like right uh, and we ended up we kept going down in length until we got to 20.
2: Yeah so originally I thought I wanted a huge tiny house uh like a 30 foot or a 28 foot tiny house which I think is probably pretty common for maybe not everybody but for a lot of people because you just think like okay like I can go tiny but I want the biggest tiny I can get and <laughs> and really, I, I, what we ended up deciding is we wanted to be able to tow them ourselves. Like we okay, wanted to be able to tow them around ourselves. So um, we uh, we ended up deciding that twenty foot was good. And then um, I ended up talking, uh, contracting with a company in North Carolina to build to build the first tiny house. Um, and that the idea with that one was that we were going to live in that one. So it was just everything was kind of custom to the way that we wanted it. Um, but then we ended up finding another tiny house that was like just a, a great price and it just looked like it was built and designed the way that we liked. We um we bought that one. So that was a, a DIY built tiny house. Uh-huh. Um and we also bought an airstream trailer, a 1976 Airstream that uh we did live in briefly, kind of while things were coming together. <laughs> so, there was just yeah, all of the pieces kind of came together eventually, but like we didn't really have it necessarily all organized in like maybe the fashion that would provide less stress.
1: <laughs> so, which one, which one of those three is it that do you live in?
2: So, now we actually live in the the DIY one. Um it, a guy in Louisiana built it mm-hmm. and he was actually younger than us. Um and he built it with his dad and his grandfather I think and so family and it's also a 20 foot tiny house it's just uh, with a loft they both have lofts but they they're set up a little differently and we just with <laughs> we were moving tiny houses around for I could explain a little bit why we kept having to move them around but um we just ended up having that one nearby and so we're like well this is the one we're going to live in and so now we live in that one and it actually works for us cuz it kind of has more storage for like it just sort of works for us for you know, full-time living. But then the other one we, we rent out full time on Airbnb.
1: Nice. So is that the one that you live in? Is that egret or ginger?
2: Yes. So egret is the what is the white tiny house. And okay. that's the one we've been living in. Although we have plans to Airbnb. We've started kind of Airbnb that one. Because we also just recently bought a little mini school bus <laughs> that we're we're gonna convert into a tiny house. So we are Kind of going to move into the the school bus and then be able to Airbnb all basically all three of our tinies, which we include the airstream as a tiny house.
1: Nice. And how how is it going with the rentals? Are you finding that people they're popular?
2: Yes,
0: they are really popular. We
2: were starting to like feel a little <laughs> scared because we had actually bought a property in um, the town that we were living in, which is Shepherdstown, West Virginia. And it was an unrestricted six-acre property. We thought we were totally fine to do what we wanted to do, but then our neighbors complained about it and complained to the county. And then the county was trying to find help us find uh, something that we could fit into for like what you know what we could be because we couldn't just have these t- like they they didn't really know what a tiny house was even so.
0: Well, they did, but under their regulations in Jefferson County, we, they, they classify tiny homes as RVs. And under their regulations, you are not allowed to, in Jefferson County, use an RV as a full-time uh, residence. You can live in it for six months out of the year, and then the other six months you have to either not be living in it or move it. I'm not sure of the specifics of the regulation there. Like, I don't know if you can uh, hook it up pull off the, the lot for a day and come back and then get your next 6 months in. Um but they were very helpful, but at the same time they still were not really willing to allow tiny homes
2: on RVs, wheels. Yeah.
0: Tiny homes on wheels to be specific. Cuz a tiny home on a foundation they're like, yeah, that's fine. Um they weren't r- ready to completely change their
1: um
2: Yeah, it takes a long time to change zoning regulations.
0: Sure.
1: Now, was there, would there be any difference if it's being rented out by the night rather than being used as a residence?
2: So that's something, I mean, so I think that in different areas, this is, this is why, like, I think this question is so important. And it's just like, you just, everybody just has to do their own research on like their specific area, because in some areas that might be okay, but in, where we were at, they said that it's we're not allowed to rent out an RV for any purpose, like whether it's Airbnb or whether it's like a longer-term rental. So it just it it was starting once we kind of figured out that they said that we could be a campground and they were gonna kind of treat the tiny houses as RVs, which in which case like people with a tiny house could come and then stay on our property for like up to 180 days but then they were going to have to like move and it was it wasn't really what we were trying to do we were actually trying to create like a tiny house community because there's just there are several you know quite a few of them i guess but you know it just depends on where people live if that community is going to work for them so we already had people like reaching out to us cuz they wanted to be able to live there and all that but we just it was starting to become something that wasn't feasible to like do within the zoning. Um, and we were going to have to put like even more money into it to make it like an approved campground. Yeah. So we ended up just selling that property and moving them around.
1: <laughs> That's such a bummer. I mean, is there any way that you could have figured that out in advance or was it only the complaint that really kicked it all off? So,
2: well, the complaint, so the complaint thing made it, really i think that if our neighbors had not complained and had been okay with it then a lo- i think a lot of counties are complaint based so yeah. if they if somebody doesn't complain and they can't really like see you like they're 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 not really try- like uh, county officials are not tr- out to like get you so i think though that if we had gone to the county and said we wanted to buy this property and this is what we want to do the same regulations would have applied, but then we wouldn't have gotten so far into it like that. you know. It, it ended up being fine. We were able to sell the property really quickly cause of the area that we're in. It's just a desirable piece of property. But, um, it, I think that if I were to do it all over again, I would definitely be like thinking about all of these things, like before I bought any, you know, anything else.
1: So, right. And it's just, This is the number one question that I get, and it's so hard because every single town has different rules.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. I wish there was, like, some way to, like...
0: Sometimes if you're in city (laughs) limits, the town's rules are different than the county's rules. Yeah. And if you're without city limits, the county's rules are different than the town's rules. So if you get the wrong set of rules and you start to move forward with something, and then you get bummed out, like there's lots of lots of things to look into before you really commit yeah to a location
1: so what what did you ultimately settle on and how was there an intermediate site yes, between
2: there's intermediate. so like so then we had three tiny houses and this piece of land which this is this was partially me i was just like oh yeah i'll get the tiny houses started because that kind of seems like the thing that you're like oh i can figure this out like I can get, it's, it's easy to buy a tiny house. Like it's easy to contract a tiny house. I mean, probably definitely would take more time to build a tiny house, but like the, the land thing, I was just like, Oh, you know, we'll figure it out. And then we ended up figuring it out. And I was like, okay, cool. Now I got the land. But then when we realized like, we really, what we we were trying to do, like Uh it made sense to sell it and move on. What we ended up doing is we moved. One of the tiny houses down to North Carolina, where our friends were able to Airbnb it for us for a a period of time. And then the other tiny house, which we failed to winterize, (laughs) and it was just sitting on the property for like uh, a few months um, in the West Virginia winter. We ended up bringing it to Jonathan's parents' house, which has an HOA, (laughs) and parking it in their driveway. So that we could replace the water. We needed to hook it up to water and electric to make sure that everything worked. So we replaced the water heater. And the ironic thing was that none of the neighbors here complained.
0: <laughs> like- had it here for over a month. Got permission before we brought it. Yeah. We spoke with them before we brought it. And they seemed to be okay with it. And then was here for like a month. And they were like, there were no complaints. Nobody, nobody thought it was a big deal.
2: Yeah. So I think getting permission definitely helps. Things.
1: Yeah, at least smoothing things over with the neighbors.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, with your current parking space, you've you've unified all three houses in one location.
2: Yes, we have. So, what we've done now is we we found a prop a property owner in an area where we can do this, and we're right now we're just leasing we're leasing space to do this, so that. Has been working well for us.
1: So this property already had like utilities and and stuff set up for the tiny houses.
2: Uh, no, we ended up putting those in. You know, for for the tiny houses. But the good thing with all of our tiny houses is that none of them have a regular toilet. They all have composting toilet, so th- we didn't have to worry about septic. That that okay. Yeah.
1: And then, um, what happens with the the gray water from the sink and shower?
2: Uh, we just it just runs off. So we, and we just, we use all like natural products and things like that. So Mm -hmm. we're not, we haven't had any issues
0: or any problems with that.
1: Nice. So I'm curious how it works with your, with your host, I guess you could say, do you pay them a fixed fee like per house? Do you share, you know, profits with them? How do you come up with that arrangement?
2: Yeah, we, uh, we pay, we just pay like a lot, a lot fee, mm-hmm. um so we just basically have a lease for each tiny house at some point we may you know combine it because we we do have the three uh but it is nice to have one for each individual one in case we like were to sell something or or move something or whatever so so that's worked out pretty well with us, and it just it works out good with the the property owner so
1: that's great yeah that that sounds pretty ideal and um it sounds like you're kind of flying under the radar now.
2: Uh we we are allowed to do what we're what we're doing where we are. So that's what oh, that is what. Yeah.
1: Nice. Nice. And are you able to to rent the airstream through the winter?
2: Yeah. We we are able to rent all three of our and we have rented all three of our tiny houses through the winter. So Harper's the area that we're we're kind of in the area of close to harper's ferry is a is a there's a lot of hiking it's a historic town civil war stuff and it's just kind of like one of those small towns and we're only like an hour from dc washington dc and like an hour from baltimore maryland so kind of these bigger cities so i think a lot of people like to just come to like do like a, a little getaway or whatever so weekends are definitely really popular but then in the warmer months like we tend to get a lot of bookings or like certain like holidays
0: and stuff. we'll get like day bookings too
1: sure has it has there been like a slow season over the winter have you found
0: i was
2: actually i was kind of nervous about it because i wasn't sure if this was our first year but i mean and it's definitely like it's definitely going to be busier in the spring but it's still been like steady in the winter time and we've had a pretty mild winter but i think it's also again like just the like being near like kind of things that people like to do it, yeah. it's just going yeah, out pretty well but we're like preparing and like trying to get organized we think that we're going to be like really slammed, this, <laughs> like when it gets to spring and summer so I'll bet. yeah
1: are you doing all the like cleanings flippings yourself
2: yes <laughs> yes <laughs> so we do a lot a lot of laundry and yes, a lot of cleaning. I feel like I'm just pretty much always cleaning something.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I can't imagine just doing three. That that's a lot.
2: Yeah. I well, and it we know um another gal, uh, who well, we don't know her personally, but she's got tiny estates up in Pennsylvania yep. and it's got like forty tiny houses up there and I'm just like Wow, like she must have like a team of people or she must be a superwoman because that's a lot it's a lot to take care of and a lot to manage and like having one tiny house I feel like the maintenance and like managing stuff is is already it kind of have to be on top of things but then when yeah. you have more you really got to pay attention. So
1: Yeah, no, Abby definitely has like a staff up there. And I've I've actually interviewed her on the on Okay, the show. yeah,
2: I think yeah, she's yeah, she's been around for a
1: while. So. Yeah, I think I don't know if it still is, but at the time it was the, like, world's biggest tiny house community.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. There's a lot... I wouldn't
1: be surprised if she still holds that title either.
2: Yeah. I don't think we ever want to get that big. I think we just want to be able... We just want it. We are doing this because we like tiny houses, and it's something that's creative and fun, and I think we just really, like, actually like the idea of, like, being able to share this with other people and, like, I I love getting like the reviews where people like, you know, they're just like, this was like the best, like, we get a lot of like, this was like, a like, not just like a standard Airbnb type of thing. So like, this was like a really good experience for us. And um, we get a lot of couples. And like, we had some like, sisters come in like the middle of the week, because I think they just kind of needed some time together type of thing. So, so yeah, so I don't think we're ever going to be like this huge thing. But that kind of also goes with what we're doing. So yeah. Tiny.
1: So are you able to like earn an your living doing this? Or you also have like a job outside of flipping three Airbnbs?
2: We since this is our full time business. Jonathan also does contract work
0: uh-huh.
2: outside of this. And
0: a little bit, but Tiny Haven is definitely supporting us. My contract work is a little extra.
2: Yeah. So, um, and we, to uh, the other thing though, too, is that we, our regular house, like our normal, whatever uh, you want to normal, quote unquote, traditional. <laughs> traditional house, house on foundation, we rent that out. So, we, we, and we actually own another house that we rent out. So, well, that's our cabin. So, if you go to tinyhavenliving.com, our cabin, we also, either Airbnb and right now we have full time tenants in there too. So so we basically kind of do a combination of like like long term rentals and then like these vacation rentals.
1: Cool. Yeah, no, I saw that the Hidden Spring cabin. It looks really really unique.
2: Yeah, we we love that house. I think that's kind of like our retirement home. <laughs> so, we actually bought that property, that house after we sold the property where it wasn't really going to work. Okay. Because we, we wanted something that we could either live in or we could rent out. And that's just like a, it's about a 900 square foot
0: house. So it's, it's a small house. That's why we call it a cabin. Just in a great little spot. It's secluded. has a little stream in the back.
1: Would you ever consider trying to put the, uh, like a tiny house on that property as well?
2: It would be really cool if we could. It's just the, the way that property is set up. It's, like a, it, it's on like a hill.
0: <laughs> it's on a really very
2: steep hill.
0: Quite a grade that drops down on kind of terrace levels, and it doesn't have its own driveway yet. uh or, yeah. But that's something. It'd be a, a big project that we would need to save up for. But if we get a nice driveway in there, it has space for a tiny home It'd be a nice little addition to where, if we were living there, we could have another another tiny space for people to use. Yeah, nice. And
2: then, and again, just going through all of like the the steps with like the county and stuff like that just to make sure so, yeah that's what <laughs> we just learned that the hard way
1: yeah it seems like back to the tiny houses that you know both houses you've bought were kind of i don't want to say used but they weren't you didn't like go to a builder and have a custom tiny house built for you right
2: well we so one of them we did okay one one tiny house we did was a custom built and then another is the DIY one that we bought. Yeah. And then Airstream was was also it was a renovated Airstream. So the so we've bought basically two used ones and had one custom one.
1: Are you gonna do the school bus yourselves? Or
2: yes. So that will be our like
1: our build.
2: Yes. So then we'll have done like bought something used, bought something new and custom and bought and then done something ourselves. I was, we were also thinking about um, building and I tend to kind of, sometimes I can just bite off more than I can chew. And so I bought this trailer, which we ended up selling to one of our friends. Who's also, who is, who is building a tiny house, but we were kind of considering building our own tiny house on that. But I think the schoolie just feels a little bit more manageable for us. It's smaller and we already, you know, have the shell and everything like that. So it's just something that we can do over time
1: will you plan to live in the schoolie when it's done or will that also become a rental?
2: Basically, in my opinion, anything, any house that I own is like, I'm either going to live in it or it's going to be rented out. Like it could be either. Um, But I think, so I think that the, the idea with the schoolie is that we could use it to like, go and visit people. So like Jonathan has family in New York and I have, family my mom lives in virginia now but she's probably going to move to florida soon and my sister's in south carolina so anyways we have we have family up and down the east coast and then even on the west coast so
0: we'd really like to be able to bounce around to all of those different locations with a space that we really like where we won't necessarily be imposing on anybody uh, but can still come to visit and bring the the dog
2: yeah we have two dogs yes It's really all for the
1: dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you need a separate dog, tiny house that you can tow with the schoolie. That'd be a funny little trick. That
2: would be awesome. Well, it was funny too, because we had a friend come over the other day and I was like, okay, I'm going to get everything cleaned up. And then all of a sudden, like dogs just decided they were going to like rough house and like start tearing up their toys. And I was like, did you hear that I like wanted to clean? And Jonathan said, oh, like, they just want to show them what this house really is—the the dog
1: house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so two two tiny houses on wheels and one Airstream. I'm curious if you have any lessons learned, either about like the systems that are either working or not working, um, or the design. I see you're nodding, so maybe we'll start with systems.
2: Right. Um, do you? Want well, to start we just
0: that? we just recently had an electrical issue with the RV. And the the so the airstream is set up like an RV. RVs tend to have what they call shore power, which is your direct plug-in power, and they also have a battery backup. Whereas our our two tiny houses are would just in the RV world be what you call shore power. They just have a plug-in. They have a really nice, well laid out electrical box uh, yeah. or um that that's labeled and and is. Just electricity so there's no DC to deal with where the uh, airstream or a lot of uh, your your RVs have that that DC and AC system
2: DC meaning like battery power so, or solar I mean in our case it's a battery but you could also have solar
0: um, and those have to be working correctly so we had an issue with what they call an automatic transfer relay uh, where some of the connections were they they were done by the original contractor who renovated it and he was a pretty good contractor who's not an electrician uh, the electrical work was okay and worked really really well for a while um but from the electrician that we had shored all up there's just certain ways that you strip enough wire for things to make the connection as good as it can be so we had a connection that where my neutral wire was touching a ground wire and what a neutral wire does, it's actually really, really important. I think that the important wire would be the hot wire where the electricity is coming in. The neutral wire is actually really important. Because say you have something running on your system and it's pulling from the hot wire 60 of 120 watts. The extra voltage from anything else is going on to and loading that neutral wire. And if that neutral wire then touches something and gets heated up, it doesn't necessarily flip your breakers. It can heat up and be, become kind of dangerous so that's what we had happening um so we had so, we
2: we no, had an electrician come in and actually fix it even like Jonathan's pretty good and can do a lot of things but when it comes to certain things sometimes it's just better to just hire somebody to do it if if it just feels like it's beyond your like patience or capability
0: but after seeing it all done i feel like that's something i could troubleshoot and probably do now uh-huh so Electricity is something that we've dealt with with the RV, with the tiny houses.
2: I tiny can, houses, I will say, in my personal opinion, I don't think that RV hot water heaters are worth anything.
0: Actually, that's that's actually <laughs> I, the biggest thing we've learned.
2: I so the house that we had contracted, it was an RBA certified um, tiny tiny home Uh, and and we didn't really care if it was or not, but that was just what the builder was doing. And so they put an RV hot water heater in. And then I was like, I'm, I was like, okay, I'm picking the shower out. And they were like, okay. So they put the shower in, it looks great, but it's, it's a regular residential shower. So the, the flow, the flow of water in that is coming out quickly and the hot, the RV hot water heater can't heat up that much water that quickly. So honestly like it's something that we've actually thought about just changing it to like a regular tankless hot water heater for like a residence cuz our our tiny house that we live in the the one that was just a DIY build has like a two it's like a two three bedroom instant hot water heater. So like it does take the water a second cuz it's kind of on the other the showers on the other side of the house to heat up but once it's warm it's hot. It, you get regular hot water. So I if you're going to put an RV hot water heater in, then I would say make sure that you put in like a, a low flow, uh, like faucet or like a shower head, because it, it works better in the airstream than it does in the tiny house. Right. And, so-
1: and was that an electric on demand or was it um, no, it's, propane?
2: It's propane. Yeah. They're, they're all propane, which I think seems to work pretty
0: well. Like the propane works well for us. Yeah. Uh, the propane ones light and heat water fantastically
1: are they what what brand uh what what are uh, they
2: I think so the two r v hot water heaters that we have uh are the Gerard mm-hmm. and again, like I think that if you have a different shower head like the one in the airstream seems to work better because it's like the shower head is different uh, and also
0: it, all of all of the sinks which have just less flow it's fantastic hot water, hot water uh it's just when the the showerhead that that we chose, which is a beautiful shower, is a residential showerhead that just pumps out a much higher and, uh gallon per minute type of flow well and
2: just to be clear it's also in the it 's in the wintertime that this is a problem in the summertime it's not a problem so like when we or when it 's warm right. out it 's not a problem it's just when it 's co- like really cold
1: your water's coming in at a really cold temperature and and you can yeah. only get a certain degree rise from the exactly. hot water heater
0: exactly where so, the hot water heater is is working the way it's supposed to work and it's saying that it's getting the water to a certain temperature by the time it, it comes out it's just not uh not keeping up with that cold temperature
1: and how did you get the water i know you mentioned that you had to put that in so are those like buried pipes from some source somewhere or how did you get that to work
2: so we so the we actually have water tanks.
0: Cisterns. So, yeah,
2: we have cisterns.
0: Bur- buried cisterns. So the, the the pipes are buried from cistern to tiny house.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Interesting. And how do the cisterns get filled?
2: Uh, we have water trucked in, or we um, also have, we have kind of talked to the property owner. So we, when it's, when it works out, we can fill up water from
0: her place. She has a, she has a well. And so when temperatures allow, we're solely filling from her well, uh, which can handle all of her needs and the needs of the tiny houses when that doesn't work or when we're having super duper freezing temperatures, we have a guy nearby who has a two thousand gallon truck pool come and fill
1: wow so I've never heard of buried cisterns, but that's a really smart idea where
0: it's an option if you't have if you don't have the ability to to have a well or, or I don't know whatever circumstances will cause that to be a good
2: yeah i would say if you can save up and and do a well it's definitely worth it definitely worth it like uh i worry about water a lot (laughs) because i'm like much water and then we have guests you know we have people who are staying in the tiny house who are used to a regular house probably and so i've you know i'm constantly kind of checking water levels like
1: that sure but you know i'm guessing that the buried cistern is a lot less expensive than drilling a well no.
2: true yeah yeah
1: and how many gallons do they hold
2: uh these hold uh well two of them hold like about 1200 gallons Mm -hmm. and then the other one holds about the one that's connected to our tiny house as of right now it uh holds 325 325 um so we actually we actually like We're we we belong to a gym, and so we've been going to the gym. And we just take showers at the gym primarily. I mean, we can take a shower at home, but we're just kind of used to using the gym. Which is also why the schoolies started to appeal to us because we were like, well, we're already kind of doing some of this already.
1: Right,
0: right. When we first moved into the tiny with the three hundred and twenty five gallon tank, taking showers and everything, and being super water conscious, we were able to to limit ourselves to a hundred about a hundred gallons per week yeah. is what we would use to do dishes to have drinking water and to take showers
2: no laundry <laughs> no,
0: no laundry. yeah
2: but that that might be helpful for people too because i i think at one point i really wanted an off-grid tiny house like and i wanted to be able to collect rainwater and all that stuff but depending on where you live you might not really be able to unless you're really a water miser like collect enough water to do that So. So with us being like really
0: water miser.
2: Yeah. With us being really uh, aware of our water uses, we were using about 14 gallons a day.
1: That's, that's pretty impressive. That's low. Compared to the average American, I'm sure.
2: Right. Right. And that's also because we have a composting toilet and we're doing our laundry offsite. So,
1: so I wanted to ask about the compost toilets. Um, what, you know, since you do have multiple units, um, is there a particular model or brand that you prefer?
2: Yeah, we have, so we have three separate toilet, uh-huh. a separate brand, separate villa. Yep. I didn't realize it, but there's there's one that's just separate villa AC. So it's it's just running off of regular power. And then there's one that can, it's AC or DC, so it can run off of battery. But I accident so I basically accidentally bought two of the, the AC DC, which the fan in that one isn't quite as strong. Okay. As the as, so I would recommend, unless like you're really trying to be off grid, if you want to put a nice composting toilet in, get the separate villa AC. And then we also have in the in the airstream, because the bathroom is smaller, that we have a, a nature's head composting toilet mm-hmm. and there's definitely th- pros and cons to both of them. The nature's head, you have to empty the the urine bucket
0: manually. Uh, manually, you have to separate it from the toilet and go empty it in go empty your it designated out. spot.
2: But the but the solids in the back are composting the whole time. So there's uh-huh. uh, really as long as that fan's on, there's no smelling. Even if the fan is off, there's really not a smell from that. Unless
0: versus you
2: turn it. versus the separate. Uh, what we have found it's like that, that fan has to be on, otherwise it's gonna start to, you're gonna smell the solids. But the nice thing about the separate is you don't the you don't have to the, the,
1: the urine pain
0: hooks into the gray water system.
1: Okay. And just flows out. It just flows yeah. right out. Is um and then the solids they're not really getting like dried out like they are in the nature's head.
2: Right, right.
0: Not in the same fashion. Uh, that's why the fan is so important.
1: And are you having? Do you empty them after each guest or like once a week? Or- yeah,
2: we. So we we the the nature's. Uh, sorry, the separate we empty out after each guest. The nature's head it breaks it. it's breaks it down quickly enough, and we have like peat moss and, and stuff in there that we we empty the urine out. So basically, like the our idea, you know, it's like the toilet is sanitary and going to like not smell for yes. gas is basically right. what we're we're going for.
1: So. Yeah. And are you um sorry, there's so many poop questions, but you know, it's what everybody is interested in.
0: Yeah. Those are my favorite.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um is it like are you using just like a plastic bag in the compost toilet and then you're just throwing it out or are you actually then composting that on site
2: well so you could compost it we we use compostable bags in the in the separate toilet and we do just throw throw them out uh the and when we do empty the nature's head uh we also throw that out so i mean if you really wanted to you totally could compost it and they like give instructions on that but for us it's just at this point it's just easier and kind of like we're not really work. like we just know that at least you know you throw your dogs poop out and it goes to the landfill like we're just gonna throw them
0: out. Um, but it goes in that compostable bag so it is going to biodegrade better than other things but also we're just not set up to do it yet it's so, it would be so easy to do the separate systems usually come with an extra bucket and they're yep. meant to be set out and catch some sunlight and some air and that's how so you would be switching buckets out and, and then uh allowing it to compost on its own for some time outdoors and then if you have a a space designated for compost food and and uh and human waste compost that you you had a use for like i really Once we get more laid in, I'd love to have the tiny setup, the guests coming in and also have a garden where I could be composting this stuff. Yeah. And you and having a use for it and not just
2: Yeah, not just just throwing it out basically. And and Um, I know that there's really
0: really easy to change a couple of habits and do that.
2: I know that there's definitely like who are far more experienced in that, like the newer book and like that type of thing. Like if people are interested
1: learning more about that definitely well i'm always curious to hear how how people who are renting tiny houses do it because you know we've got the human or style toilet in our house and we've composted that on site you know in a compost bin that i built for years yeah. but there's it's one thing doing your own pee and poop and it's another thing doing like um, strangers <laughs> pee and poop and times times three or four houses
2: yeah I don't know. I get so It'd be a big it's, it's funny. I should like put it like, like like, "Hey, I'm the one who cleans up after you." Yeah. Like, so we've definitely given like a lot of like instructions for people, like just how you use the toilet at first. Because
1: guys have to sit down.
2: Yeah, exactly. At first, yep. our instructions weren't so clear, and so I'd be like, "Oh my god!" But really, if people are using the toilet properly, it's really not difficult to to clean. Right. Um, uh, it, I. I mean, I just, I, I don't know how I've done it now. I do, I do it all the time. So right. I'm just you're
1: desensitized.
2: Yeah. At this point, it's kind of, I don't know. It's funny. My sister has a, a baby, a new baby. It's her first baby. And so she, you know, she's talking about, you know, diaper changing and I'm cleaning out compost and toilet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you're both doing it then in, a, in right. your own way. <laughs> Do you have any tips on how to find land like a situation kind of like you have found where you you don't own the land, but you're renting, you're leasing the space? I guess I'm asking selfishly, like, because we're starting to look for a new spot for our tiny house and we want to be able to use it sometimes and Airbnb at other times and so far, what I found is that people who can afford to have a really gorgeous piece of property in a desirable location don't usually want the strangers, you know, they don't want the rentals happening in their backyard.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I'm curious, you know, any tips on, on finding some somebody who owns good land and is looking for that mutually beneficial situation?
2: Yeah, I mean, it just, it just sort of, like we just happened to know somebody and it just ended up working out. But I think nice. it, it, be it, like when we've done Airbnb stuff with people in the past and we're on their land, what we've also like the, the way that I guess it helps if, if you want to Airbnb your tiny house is like we've literally just split profit 50, 50 with people. But then when we do, when we do that, we're not paying, a, a, like we're not paying a monthly rate. So basically right. it's like, when there's a booking, they get money, we get money. And if it's, if there's no bookings, then like we don't have to pay any. Right. So, um, so we've, we've done it that way. And that, that did work out pretty well. Um, and so I think it's just probably finding somebody who has the, has the space and has the property, but also like wants the, like the side income as well.
1: Right. Great.
2: So, yeah.
1: Well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests is, what are two or three resources um, that helped you out on your tiny house journey that you could share with us?
0: Okay, yeah, the lovable rednecks of YouTube, <laughs> or the lovable tiny house folks of YouTube, yeah. because they're there too.
2: Yeah, sometimes if you have a problem, like because in- I one YouTube of the it. one of the
0: things that we YouTubed recently was skirting our tiny house, or as cheaply as we could do it because we were feeling a little bit strapped at the time. Uh-huh. I had this whole idea of using T-tent plywood and R-13 stapling insulation on the inside of it and creating this certain look that I wanted, and it was going to be hundreds of dollars and lots of hours of work. And I saw a guy who was using one-inch thick foam panels that come in four-by-eight sheets. You can buy them at Lowe's. Mm-hmm. You paint one side of them and you either just prop them with like bricks or cinder blocks or like I double stick tape them to the frame of my tiny house and it made a huge difference and it cost less than a hundred dollars.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah. So uh, that's one I I went to the tiny home builders workshop. I'm trying to remember his last name.
1: His first name Dan Luchet.
2: Yeah, I love Dan. Dan's great. Uh I will I Definitely would promote him. Uh, I I got a lot out of that workshop. Just so you know, you're not building a whole tiny house in a weekend. Like some people were like giving feedback like that. I'm like, why do you think that you're going to build a whole tiny house in a weekend? Like that is not like reasonable. Like, but you learn like all of the different steps and things like that. And I thought that that was helpful. And it was nice to just talk to other people who were like. Some people were there because they wanted to build their own, but some people were there because they wanted to just learn more about like the tiny house. Event. So I thought that that was a really good resource.
0: Um, YouTube and what else?
2: i um, trying to think. I mean, that tiny house, like being able to talk to other people who are in, like, who have done tiny house stuff. Like, I think that like this podcast is, is helpful. I didn't, I didn't know about it at the time, but like being able to like listen to other people's stories. I I read, I was looking at this one tiny house that I was thinking about buying that a couple built and they had an entire blog, of like every single step, like, oh, like that uh, everything that they did. And it was, it was super helpful to see it from like start to finish, like how they did it. So I think, I, I don't even know if that blog is still around. I think they kind of had it specifically sell their tiny house, but um, I, I kind of found information that way. So I think like, I know you have like an online community for, or is it an online community for like tiny house? Like,
1: yeah, that among, among the many things that I do, I have an online community um, called tiny house engage.
2: Yeah.
1: Where people are either building or seriously planning and some dwellers too, just kind of coming together in a private online space.
2: Yeah. I, um, uh I didn't again I didn't know about that at the time when we were kind of getting everything going. But uh I think that being able to talk to other people and like have a forum or have a way to like get some of your questions answered ahead of time, like is just helpful because then you can like you can plan, but then like it also probably gives you more motivation to like get going and start doing stuff.
1: Absolutely. Well, it doesn't seem like you um Are any worse for wear? Congratulations on on your accomplishments.
2: (laughs) Luckily that you can move them around. Yeah. So like, you know, when things go a little bit amiss, like you're really, okay, like this is a little bit complicated, but it is on wheels. So I've moved them a
1: lot. Nice. Great. Well, Danielle Lorac and Jonathan Carnell, thank you so much for being guests on the show today. This was great.
2: Yeah, this was awesome. awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much to Danielle LaRocque and Jonathan Carnell for being guests on the show. You can find the show notes, including lots of photos of Tiny Haven at thetinyhouse.net slash 104. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 104. Now I want to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor today, which is the guide, Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is a comprehensive field guide to help aspiring tiny house builders make the right choices for their unique homes. In it, you go through the decisions that I made, what I ultimately decided for my own house and why, and how those decisions affected the overall project. I'll help you identify key choices and understand the relationships between them so you can plan your house effectively without spending countless hours researching. The guide has helped readers save hundreds or even thousands of dollars on their tiny houses by avoiding common mistakes. And most important, it will help you feel confident about the choices you're making because you'll know they're the right decisions for you. To learn more, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash THD. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD. And use the coupon code tiny when you check out for 20% off any package. Well, that's all for now. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.